get to know you. Yes, I would. But I'd like to get to know you. If I could. But I'd like to get to know you. Finally, I found searching all around. Just was not the answer. What I thought was true looked a bit like you. I figured I might chance her. But I'd like to get to know you. Yes, I would. But I'd like to get to know you. That's a brilliant song by Spanky and Our Gang from 1968, I believe, entitled I'd Like to Get to Know You. And this is podcast 325, entitled Charade. And the song raises um, a a very powerful situational question. The uh, young man um, is uh, interested in striking up a conversation with a young woman to whom he's attracted, but he uh, has just come off of a failed relationship and he's been left by someone else. And he is looking at this girl who looks a little bit like the previous girl, but he's also afraid he's going to be rejected and he's in a situation of loss, but he sort of likes her and he wants to reach out to her, but he is afraid he might end up becoming a rover again, that is uh, uh, unattached and sad. And she, on the other hand, uh, is sort of keeping her own counsel. Um, I'd like, I don't, I can't promise you that I'll be this. I can't promise you that. I can't promise even, even a date, basically. But I still, I'm open. I'd still like to get to know you. And there are two different. Um, <laughs> this is a slightly. Um, slightly more sanctified version of uh, Tyrone Davis's remarkable trialogues that we talked about recently in which the um uh, the, the 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 two partners aren't saying at all what they're really thinking and yet they're thinking it in a very touching and very lyrical song by Spanky Elaine McFarlane and her group and therein lies a tale the story of that remarkably uh, gifted group who had uh, what at least five top ten singles bang 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 at least four uh, until one of them somewhat mysteriously died and everything ended. It's an amazing story. But what I'm wanting to uh, talk to you about um, is the, um, the charade of life by which 
we hold back the most important issues. This is characteristic. Not all of them. And um, sometimes uh, a sermon or a talk or a friend or a conversation or a movie or something hits uh, a, uh, the little vulnerable open space like Luke and the Death Star in Star Wars. Um, but there's usually something else that is held back. And the real power of a redeemed life lies in the restoration, really the assimilation of um, the negativity that caused that place. And that is what so rarely happens. And when it does, I mean, it's why I owe Pastor Paula White such a debt, because at one point it wasn't anything she said, but it was what she said. It was something that happened in 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 a connective situation with her, a couple of sermons that seemed to hit something that had never been hit before and made a difference. And so the hope here is that this little cast can uh, help you to see the charade wherever it is in your life and uh, possibly, um, as always, lead the way to something. Ellis Brazil, who's an attorney in Birmingham and a friend of mine whom I admire enormously, was describing his connection, his reaction to my most recent sermon that I preached uh, at St. Matthew's. Bedford here, and he um, he said there's uh, there's so many distractions and so many ways to cover it, especially the younger people who are so wired. He, and he's not a younger person in that way, but he observes his children, and he himself is like all of us. He said, but there's something there, and the reason I know it is that because then someone whom you think is completely, totally, remotely involved with their lives through a million different appliances suddenly does something horrible. So something was going on, and we're going to talk about that, and we're going to end with something that I think is really, um, I've never quite recovered from a piece of music I'm going to play. Now, um, let me give you an experience that uh, is a charade of life. Years ago, um, I uh, was um, had a colleague, and um, she was accused uh, in a phone call that I got of something not good. It was my job, I couldn't help it, to go to her and, uh, you might say, confront, bring this up and say, look, tell me about this. This is uh, this has to be dealt with uh, in this situation. It must be dealt with. And the a woman um, denied it profusely. She absolutely, com- with tremendous passion and, or I should say, vital force, she denied completely the accusation that I had been given through a phone call, a really mean phone call, by the way, by a former student of hers. And uh, I, um, I accepted what she said, and I said, well, thank you for telling me. I'm glad we talked about it. And I went home and was thinking about it, and about two nights later in my house, there was a knock on the door, and this woman appeared, and she had something in a kind of baggie, and she gave it to me, and it was evidence of the accusation that had been made. It was the exact evidence of the accusation. I said, oh my gosh, and she said, you know, I I lied to you the other day. That phone call was accurate. I I, I did do such and such, and I want to show you this so you know that... um, I, I lied I lied to you. And then I said to her, well, why did you? I'm just curious. Um, and she said, well, oh, I, I knew that you knew that I was lying. She said, oh, surely. She said it with blithely. This is the part that upset me. She said, surely you realized that I was just telling you, it was just giving you a line. Surely you knew and I knew that I was just lying. What she was saying was that she had 
she had put on a charade for me, and, and I had believed it. But surely, deep down, you knew it was a game. Well, oh my gosh, that, that, that really covered a multitude of... Um, that, that, and I thought to myself, of all the uh, times in life when I've... Um, you see, I, I believe when I preach that the number one problem that men and women have in their lives is male-female relationships. That that's, in fact, the numero uno Vesuvius of human existence. There are other problems and other issues and identity and work and success and achievement and self-understanding and um, satisfaction based upon some kind of fruitful um, sense of who they are. I know all that, but the core, the Vesuvius, the Vesuvius of human existence lies in male-female relationships. And frequently I have to sort of, it's like I'm, there's a big um, kind of a cloud, a mist between me and the here in which the culture is telling, well, this is important, this is important, and this is important. And then I quote a song. I quote a song like, I gotta, I, I'd like to get to know you by Spanky and our gang. I, I can give you others by Spark. I can give you Sunday Will Never Be the Same Again, also by Spanky and our gang, which is a, a deeply... Uh, oh, bittersweet to say the least, not bitter, bitter, not bitter, a tragic song. And, and you immediately hear it and say, oh, well, that could be me. That could be her. That could be us. So I've got this, this cloud. It's called like a charade. I have to sort of check in. That everybody knows that I'm aware that the culture or the world in which we live, the world, the flesh, and the devil is telling us that these are the primary problems, but they're not. If I, I have to be able to, you might say, pull vault over that mist, that Stephen King misty cloud to get to the real person. And inevitably, when I use the song, that's usually what it is, a, a, a particular song that hits this um, place of vulnerability with loss, anger, resentment over a relationship, a prior relationship almost always, or even a present relationship, then I connect. And people come up to me and say, oh, that was everything. that You, you just stole the story of my life. And I said, well, I, would, I want to say, well, I would have thought from what you've said and what you've written and what everybody else is telling us, that the number one problem of your life has to do with career or, or uh, self, uh, uh, self-evaluation. And then they say, no, no, no. <laughs> I mean, they don't deny it. They say, well, that may be true, but the number one uh, 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 problem in my life is her. Or the her I've never told about. I was talking to somebody who'd been was happily married for the second time, and uh, and he described a situation that had happened before his first marriage. That was really the decisive relationship in his life. Oh my gosh! Well, this is what is so interesting, isn't it? There's we so we're we're really living through a charade. You, you and I, and I'm I'm say that without wanting to sound um, what's the word falsely you know, empathetic. It's simply true. There are things that are happening in our lives which we cover over by sort of um, secondary, the, the biggest problem in my life is this, that, and the other thing, when in fact it's really what the Guess Who sang about, or what the Beatles sang about, or what um, disco is all about. Um, I was... Um, Another gal I know, a wonderful person, wonderful person, had just written a kind of um, description of their life, various moments, various interests for their children and grandchildren. She'd written a kind of book, you might say, but short and very impressive because it was short, accessible, the real person. She'd written uh, a kind of um, episodic, easy-to-read chapter, illustrated chapter of her life for the sake of her descendants. And it was very real and very true, and I really liked it. It was wonderful. And at one point, I said, I read it, and I said, this is so good, and it's so you, and it's so undisguised, and it's so transparent. I'm just curious, and I did not mean this in a didactic way. I just It just came out of my mouth. I said, you didn't talk about such and such. And the person said, no, no, no. That, 
I would never have wanted to talk about that. But I wanted to say, well, but that's the most important thing. Now, I understand why she didn't talk about such and such. I can understand vis-a-vis grandchildren, vis-a-vis children, vis-a-vis others, vis-a-vis certain individuals. I can well understand why she had um, decided not to touch upon that. But it is nonetheless true that the, the book was not complete. The, the book was uh, um, not total. I had an, one other example of the charade that covers something really real, uh, and you see it. It, it was, this is really why I was thinking of doing the podcast. I, I got a, um, an email uh, last week out of the blue. It was not again about me. It was really a, a complaint about um, somebody else <laughs> and it, uh, who's far away, but, it, it was a, but it was, I got an extremely hostile in tone email from someone. And the hostility of the email, irrespective of the issue, and it was um, it was really directed at me, but it wasn't saying that it was directed at me. It was a complaint about another person <clears throat> somewhere far away um, that was very strong. But the way in which the email was expressed, because I was the one that got the email, um, was hostile. It was obviously using another piece of information to convey, uh, maybe irrationally or un- non-verbally, but verbally, or rather dis- in a disguised way, a tremendous amount of hostility towards myself. And I'm not used to that. I've only had two or three people ever become really hostile to me personally, maybe two or three times. And I was amazed at how disturbed I was. I, um, this email, uh, uh, it was a, a million uh, emails I could get about issues or issues in the church or issues in the world or issues about this or issues about that. And this was, it was the tone of hostility that hit a nerve. And I, I, I sort of got, I mean, I felt like I wanted to go to bed forever. <laughs> it, it, the hostility undid me from an unexpected source. So, so the, the, it, 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 it said that basically the relationship I had with this person must be a charade, let alone this person and the, and the, and, and the family of this person, uh, because it was all, um, other people had read it before it was sent or, and at least it appeared to be because it was signed by two people. And the, 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 it said that, that a relationship is a charade and that underneath it, there's hostility. And the hostility really, really threw me. In other words, underneath it, there was something that was far more important than the, uh, all the different issues and talks and so forth that we might have had uh, over the um, months and years. And it really uh, blew my mind. And it also caused an inner earthquake inside me that was highly unexpected. Now, the um, point of all this is that the point of the Christian faith is to provide an avenue of access and volubility to God mutually by which the um, sensitivities based on hurts, the thing that this woman did not want to write about in her autobiographical comments, the things that, that um, the, 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 the mist covering over this member of staff's uh, um, feeling that somehow deep down I was supposed to know exactly that she was lying uh, and she uh, that, that I had no idea or the um, the the um, that somehow I should be able to the code but but that that what the Christian um, experience is to take this thing 
And whatever it is, uh, gosh, um, somebody wrote me regarding my last podcast. That he, he said, oh, somebody I truly love. And he said, well, I'm, a, I'm an older sort and I have these memories. So, Paul, you, you were talking about me. I'm an, older, I'm an older chap and I have these memories. In other words, there's something there that is, you know, what is it? As I used to say in a sermon um, from that Beyond the Fringe skit of the silly English clergyman who says, yes, life, life is like a, a tin of sardines. We're always trying to get that little bit in the corner. Well, I mean, the, the, but the funny thing about it, that's a true cliche. And um, the point of life is to get the bit in the corner um, illuminated before a God who can handle it. Because you see, we can't handle it. It's too much for us. But God really can. And the point of one's ministry, this is Mockingbird, this is John Saul, this is Simeon Saul's work, this is anybody you want to say, this is RJ down in West Palm Beach, and this is Aaron, and this is uh, uh, many, many, many others. Uh, I'm, I'm Sarah, I'm, all sorts of wonderful people. Whose The point is to unearth the thing and let it be assimilated through being unearthed. And the, the great problem with the church happens to be that the disciplinary process for clergy, which is a point I'm concerned about because I get calls about this all the time, is a very, very, uh, uh, is not the gospel. Uh, you, you can't find out who accused you. You're tried without any knowledge of really what the accusations are. And then it comes down, uh, you, uh, the, the, the punishment is extremely uh, harsh uh, from on high um, without any kind of real dialogue whatsoever. It's the opposite of Jesus Christ uh, with the woman taken into adultery, the um, centurion servant, and uh, Matthew the tax collector, and ridiculously compulsive Peter, and uh, the thief on the cross. It's the exact opposite of that, and that's really the problem with the church. It's not about other issues. It's about a failure to enunciate and to embody the gospel of Jesus himself and where we put the real thing. Well, I'm going to conclude with a um, what we all want is a confession. I've just read Daphne du Maurier's House on the Strand from 1967, which is a brilliant novel, but at the resolution of it, a man must, he's dying soon, and he must make a confession, and he makes a confession to a layman, because there's no priest in the situation, but it's a Christian confession, and the layman pronounces a Christian absolution, uh, but it happens late, to say the least, and you and I, it, you know, it may not happen, it's got to happen, I've written about this, but it's really, for life to go on, you've got to, you've got to sing that song, uh, otherwise it'll never happen, and it will happen one day with God, and in this particular piece of music, which is purely abstract, it's entitled The Talk, I'm just going to play an excerpt from it, by Elon Hammer, and it's from Miami Vice, and it's an episode entitled Evan from near the end of season one. And now, the when it first came out, it was controversial because Evan had to do the episode Evan of Miami Vice first season had to do with homosexuality, which at the time was still a, a, a pretty rare theme in uh, in network TV. And um, but now the contra it's controversial because it sort of implies that there there's a, a, a an embar there's a negativity to to the situation. It's not remotely homophobic. The episode is quite the opposite, but it it's coming out of a different day and time. So it's now more controversial for its place in the '80s in terms of social mores. But when it came out, it was controversial for that reason, but in a different way. It's a brilliant, brilliant episode. And at one point near the end, uh, a detective confides to a, a gay detective 
I believe. I, I've seen it. I've seen the episode twice. But the detective, uh, yes, of course, he confides to Crockett, um, played by Don Johnson, about this uh, uh, situation that he and one other man were in. And it's very, very um, powerful because he's telling the real truth beyond some events that had happened that were violent and involved the death. And he's telling the true, the real truth. And, and right after it, a climactic event happens that makes it into a confession. And Jan Hammer uh, wrote a, a piece of music called The Talk, in which, the, in which it evokes someone telling someone else the actual truth about their lives and hiding nothing and getting to the root of the issue. And it is a Christian confession in its depth. Um, with a remarkable denouement. And that um, is what we all need to have the talk. This is the talk. It may not, you know, I may be asking the impossible of you, of me for that matter, but it's the essential thing in life to, to, to get the hurt out. Now, the church can't handle it. Italian can handle it. The church won't be able to handle it. Somebody can probably handle it, but maybe not, but God can. And that's why this is so powerful. So as you listen to this piece of music, um, think about your talk with uh, about what's really really there there's something there a little bit in the corner but um think about that as you listen to this music and think about what i've tried to say and perhaps zero in on what's most important in your inner life oh a little light reading for dick and jane god bless you bye